Like lawsuit, Apple versus Epic. Who's gonna win? Welcome to the completely unnecessary podcast for Tuesday, May fourth, two thousand twenty-one. Five days before my birthday. Hey, that's Ian. Looking alright. That's Pat. Looking alright. Well, I'm Pat. Right. On the show today, we'll be talking about. Um, what are we talking about? Uh, speculators discovering there's games that were made in Japan, finally, and, and starting to pilfer that island. We've, um, we're talking about IGN took a look at the Intellivision Amico. Don't want to miss that one later on. The Retro Tink uh, 5X was announced, which could have... Released, not announced. Oh, it was, it was oh, okay. Screw me. It's been sold. Okay. <laughs> which has ramifications for the, the Frame Meister people. We'll get into that. And uh, uh, some other stuff going on. I don't know. My mind's not there. Ian, how was your weekend? Oh, real quick, before I get into the weekend. I forgot to plug it last week. Flea Market Madness 38 is out. I forgot to plug it last week. It's been out now for like, you know, a week and a half now. While Ian gets his diet coke. That was very deliberate. <clears throat> how was your weekend, Ian? It's fine. It's good. It was Hein? What do you say? Fine. It's fine. It's fine. Behind. Played a lot of video games this weekend. It was a video game themed weekend uh, in, 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 in my world. Uh, big, big news. Big stuff releasing this big, weekend. Big, big news. Big, big news. Uh, Pokemon Snap, new Pokemon Snap came out. That was the focus of most of my uh, weekend. It's a uh, sequel. I suppose you could even call it an update. You got an itchy fucking trigger finger over there. Uh, so, so, saw you reach, and I'm like, what word can uh, I well, use well, here? Was it, uh, what word can I use here that well, would, I almost that did would it. give Pat you, you gave me a reason. I wasn't going to do <laughs> give it. Give Pat the, uh, the, the You the, psyched yourself the out. Uh, so, um, it's a little bit loud on that. Yeah, I'm 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 feeling loud. I see you raised me. And I don't. You raised, well, you were you raised me loud. You Pat. were whispering last week. I was not whispering. Last yes, you week. were. I don't. You don't do the post editing. I do. Sorry. Go on. So, anyway. Pokemon Snap is not a sequel. What is it? It's just a, it's a sequel. It's on a soft reboot. Is it a reboot of the cinematic Snap universe? No, no, no. Uh, no, in fact, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to let some people just experience things for themselves. I'm not I'm not going to give away some faces that you might see in the new Pokemon Snap. I'm sure it's Pokemon that we know and love, right? Possibly. P- possibly. You wrote a review of, uh, on it on the C Podcast Patreon. Yeah, more of a first impression. Um, more of an overview, an IGN first overview. More, more of an overview. You get out in the first hour, just make sure you put something online. Um, but no, the game's a lot of fun. I, I think people, it's, it's you know, it's a, it, for those who don't know what Pokemon Snap is, it's a photography game. You it's sit- like your burden. You're going burden. But for Pokemon. Uh, you sit in a little vehicle, and the vehicle gently carries you through a, a course. It's like uh, a train? Like a little... No, it's, it's called the Neo One. It's, 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 a a little, it's a little circular thing. You plop your ass in, and then you get it's a little a, protective bubble, and it shuttles a, you through Like a the safari. Area. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. Like, it's like a... African lion safari. Um, and you take all the pictures that you can while you're doing it, and you can throw apples at the critters uh, to make them eat. You can... Uh, do scans to find, you know, clever or uh, interesting things that you might need to check out. But basically, the game is kind of like, uh, it's like playing a series of dark rides at, like, an amusement park. You sit there, and you go through, and basically, your, your task is to take everything in and find the most interesting interactions and things that are hidden. Like, you're, you're a wildlife photographer. Yeah. So you want to you want to get you know you want to sell these pictures to National Geographic. So you want to get interesting shots, right? It's for research. You don't sell them. Oh. But but the I, but the eh. professor gives you points. Um, what does he need all these pictures for? Is he, research. 
Is he going to take the credit? You get you, vague research. You get credited when he releases this stuff. I don't know. I, I haven't. I have not seen his reports. Have not seen his I'm, reports. I'm, I'm, that's that's that's. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm skeptical of this process, but um, it's perfect for obviously for for you know because you know the switch has motion on the controls and everything, right? So you can point it like that, right? Uh, you don't. Motion? You don't. Well, you can use motion. I don't know if that's really how it is, but yes, you can use motion controls to aim. Yeah. You can. I just used the it'd be, like, it'd be like a camera, so it's perfect. I just played it on the TV. It would have been on the Wii U. Where we went to on the Wii U, it, it would have made great. the most sense. But it's, but it's the same thing. You still have a screen, though. Yeah. Wait, it's the same thing. <laughs> well, because on the Wii U, you could have held it like a camera while it played on the TV. Well, that's what we thought we... What yes. Anyone would have used, and like three games actually did that. So my hypothesis, that would be a, a, you know, a game changer went out the fucking window when I realized no one's using it. It was not a game changer. No, it wasn't. It was not a game it was changer. A, it was a, a game negative. Uh, it was basically... The Wii U pad was used very, 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 very um, infrequently. A lot In of the actual pad. Yeah, yeah, the actual pad. Exactly. Um, so yeah, no, it's a great game. I'm happy to see it. It's a lot of fun. They definitely added um, more courses. There's day night modes. You can level courses up by uh, taking pictures. When you level the courses up, the Pokemon do more things, and more Pokemon show up. Um, it's fun. It's relaxing. I recommend it. It's kind of like playing a light gun shooter, but you can't die. So they're not dying. Yeah. The animals. You can't die. They don't die. You're burdened. Uh, as my friend said when I was talking to him about this, he was like, yeah, it's kind of like Cabela's big game photographer. It would make a great arcade game. I've always thought, even back to the original one, it would make a fantastic arcade game. It, you could do it just like something like Cabela's big game hunter, um, but less violent. You're not, you're not shooting him dead. Uh, also played R-Type Final 2, um, which is better than I expected it to be. Uh, I love the R-Type series. Um, R-Type Final came out in 2004, I think, for the PS2. Um, it was... I, I, I remember it fondly because it was the last game I played at home before I moved out to San Diego. You remember uh, that? Okay. Yeah, oh, because there was 101 ships you could unlock in R-Type Final. And before I left, my brother and I, between the two of us, sat down and oh. actually unlocked oh. everything in that game. That was your final hurrah. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, I think I, I think one of the I things... slept on the floor my last night in New Jersey. By the way, did you? Yes. <laughs> uh, wow. Why? Wanted to remember the floor. No, because uh, all my stuff was gone, and um, so yeah, I slept on the floor before my, I was waiting for my my taxi that morning. I remember that very clearly. Hmm. I think I put down some clothes. It's very uncomfortable. Sorry, go on. <laughs> it's okay. Very different experience. Uh, very different experience. Um, so, but it wasn't like the best. It's not the best R-Type game. I like it, but it was, even then it kind of felt like they had passed on the licensing a bunch of times, you know? Sure. And it, 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 it kind of resembled R-Type. It did resemble R-Type, and it's good. It just wasn't the tightest R-Type experience, but I enjoyed it. All the ships made it fun. Uh, so... I wasn't expecting a whole lot out of this one, but it seems pretty good so far. Um, so I was happy about that. Okay. What did you do? I don't know. What, what do I do at this point in my life? I play in 64 games and edit them. It's yeah. my whole life. Well, how's the tennis game? Oh, Center Court Tennis by Hudson Soft. That should have came out here. There was only two tennis games that came out in North America. Uh, was it all all pro tennis? So it was like a, like a more realistic one. And you had Mario Tennis, if you want to count that. As a tennis game, sure. Well, it, I mean, yes, well, I mean, like it's not like a serious tennis game, but you you play tennis. It's you know, 
So this one is like in between that. This is it's a goofy Hudson Soft game. It's it's centered upon a create a uh, basically create a character. It's like the center of the whole experience. You you basically win items and accessories and clothes, oh, and and challenge. That's like that's the center of the game. There's a bunch of there's like four mini games. There's a, there's goofy courts. There's there's a challenge mode where you challenge the computer or a player to gamble. So if we both created a player, we can gamble a piece of clothing. I can say, oh, I want Ian's shirt. You want Pat's socks. And then we play a one set game to, to win that. Oh, that's fun. So, but it's called the, Center Court. Center Court Tennis, C N T R E. But the matches oh, in that okay. are randomized with wacky ass courts, like a volcano with explosions. There's a desert with giant scorpions that can knock into you, and, and there's there, there's even like a city top, city rooftop, a uh, building where you can fall off the side. So like, oh, that's fun. They put in these cool. There's a, they put in these cool, these cool like interactive. Uh, stages just for that that you wish they would have had them selectable for the single player. They're not. Um, there's only six uh, selectable. But anyway, it's it's a goofy game. I can see why it didn't come out here because you know Nintendo's probably like, no, we got Mario Tennis. Screw you, Hudson Soft. You know we love you. You know, like I can see why it didn't come out here. It came out in, in Europe and in Japan. Nintendo really doesn't like to compete against their. Like we've talked about with F Zero, I think it's probably why Nintendo doesn't make a new F Zero game because they don't want to compete with. Yeah, they don't like to yeah, compete with their little I mean, showpieces. Yeah, this is. I mean, it, it would. It wouldn't. Have, I mean, yeah, that's probably why. <laughs> I'm trying. I was trying to think of another reason. It's like maybe tennis isn't as popular in North America as Europe. It isn't. But I mean, like, yeah, but tennis games come out everywhere. I, I, I know. Yeah. I know. That, that, yeah, I know. So it's a cute game. Looks pretty good. I, I gave it a good review. Yeah, not not outstanding, not excellent. There's a, it's hard to it's hard to get an ace when you serve very hard, uh, but no, it's fine. It's cute. It's a cute game. Looks fun. You, you can get like bunny ears and cattails for your character. Yeah, you can, I mean, I'm sold. Them. Yeah, see, that's all you would want. Anyway, that's what I did. Um, I forgot to talk about real quick uh, in terms of Pokemon. The Pokemon card crisis is going on right now. So we're in the age of uh, Dogecoin and NFTs and uh, marble cards that are common as as ass. Uh, people going back and common as ass. Yes, I've common as ass. I've got an ass. You've got yes, an ass. Exactly. We've all got an just, ass. I just coined that common as ass. Common as ass. So we're in the age of like one to one attack. Let's rate. create wealth with absolutely zero work. That's what the last few years have become basically, um, or 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 contributing anything of value. So people are now now. Tr- <laughs> yes. So people are now tr- trying to grade and scalp all their Pokemon cards they had since the nineties, and discovering that you know people are grading them and so there's now like a multi-year backlog of getting these cars graded because everyone is getting these cars graded because there's a, a jillion of them out there and there's an article from vice that went over that it's called how dire america's pokemon card crisis is and so the grading companies can't keep pace with this they can't even hire enough people or give enough bonuses to get this shit graded so it's obviously a huge bubble at that point because the only thing restricting the supply is these companies can't get these graded fast enough to get them back to, to, to get to get them sold. So to be very very careful when you deal with this stuff, whether it's uh, Marvel cards that people are trying to think are be worth tons of money, this is all bubbles. If this is stuff that wasn't worth a huge amount of money like a few years ago, all of a sudden it goes shooting through the fucking stratosphere. That's a bubble. That's a bubble. It's like all of a sudden people discover this stuff exists again, and oh my god, it's worth a ton of money. So be careful. That's all I'm going to say. Look up the Vice article. I'll link it or or not. Just Google it. But it, it's insane. And then also you have YouTubers like uh, you know like Logan Paul 
opening up fresh boxes that end up being uh, resealed ones and opening up packs. And so it's a combination from what is of, of like YouTubers doing it and the gambling aspect of it and people realizing, hey, I have all these cards from when I was 10 years old. They're worth a lot of money. They're in my closet still. My mom has them. I'm going to go get them graded. That's the problem with Logan Paul is. His hairline? No, I'm sorry. That's a low blow. Sorry. No, no. My problem with Logan Paul... um, I'm sorry, Logan. I shouldn't take that shot at you. You're the the reasonable Paul brother at this point. Sorry. God, I can't believe we're even at that point. We don't need need to apologize for Logan Paul. Makes me thirsty. I think of Loganberry. Have you ever had Loganberry, Patrick? No. Is that on your tree of life? Is that what grows on the tree of life? I don't know. Into the AMT? Uh, Loganberry is a delicious beverage, uh, popular in Buffalo, New York. Uh, it is like a sugary sweet beverage uh, that is uh, meant to taste like Logan berries, which are actual regional? berries. They're actually berries. Oh uh, yeah, they're it's regional. It's good stuff. But I think they have a healing right. factor in those Logan berries. Oh, oh yeah, Logan Logan berries definitely. <laughs> well, some of those berries you take the supplements and it's supposed to boost your immune system. You know. Yes, the Aunt Rosie's uh, Logan berry supplement. That's what it was. The Aunt Rosie's was the big. The big company for a while. You see what I did there with Logan Wolverine? Did you mm-hmm. get that? I did. It was great. Um, speaking of, speaking of Marvel, MCU Phase Four trailer came out. I could see this have maybe it would have come out last year by now. We were in a global pandemic, but um, are, are, you, are, you, are you? I'm sorry. Were you talking oh, about I, Logan I, Berries? I just could have kept going about Logan. Yes, Berries, you could have. No. You absolutely could have kept going. Let's, about. let's fucking talk about superheroes. I didn't watch this. I have no interest in this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought I thought no. How much you were talking about Logan Berries? <laughs> Um, uh, oh, Wikipedia, Logan. I, I feel bad. No, Logan berries. I, I, I just Logan berries. Face. All right, I Logan berries. What is a Logan berry? Logan berries are a cross between a, a blackberry and a raspberry. That's right. Uh, they are longer than a raspberry with a juicier and sharper flavor. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's right. People also ask: Are Logan berries edible? Yes, when consumed fresh or used in juice or <laughs> jams, pies, crumbles, crumbles, fruit syrups, and country wines. Loganberry jams a big deal. Are, are Loganberries good for you? Fat-free, saturated, fat-free, cholesterol-free, sodium-free, and excellent source of vitamin C. Fiber and manganese. Full of nutrients. And a good source of vitamin K and folate. We always forget about vitamin K. It's a very, very important one. That's it's in, in a lot of those weird stuff. I've been eating a lot of raspberries lately. I don't know. How do you feel about berries? I love berries, Ian. I'm just curious. All right, MCU Phase Four. Yeah, that's enough. Uh, <laughs> so, we basically had a halt of movies for a year uh, in terms of production and release. 2020 is like the lost entertainment year for the most part. There was like 12 major movies released, maybe the whole year. Like it was a low uh, amount. It was Not crazy. even ten. Crazy, crazy small. Sonic was the biggest movie of the year. That, that, you it was. It was. <laughs> the last movie like I February. saw in theaters. Yeah. And then you had that awful um, fucking uh, Valiant comic one with, uh, with what's his name, Riddick, um, Vin, Vin Diesel. Uh, that came out, and then we were done. That, uh, B- Bloodshot. Yeah, I couldn't remember. I have, I have Bloodshot number zero. I, I completely it. forgot that that was actually Yeah, so that was that a thing. Yeah. Exactly. It's a fever dream. So MCU put out a phase four trailer. They 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 had the you know their their Wandavision and uh, Winter Soldier Falcon shows to sort of like give them some content and also obviously we had you know Mandalorian season two other shit so the trailer comes out they got a lot of stu- a lot of things lined up over the next three years Black Widow's coming out that was supposed to come out uh, over a year ago or about a year ago it was coming out I think it was supposed to be May so that's coming out you got the Eternals I keep forgetting Angelina Jolie's in that uh, Shang Chi's coming out that that trailer was just released. And then there's like a, a, 18 other movies that are coming out between now. I'm not even exaggerating. 
between now and like 2023. It's like five a year that are coming out. Fucking and it doesn't. And it doesn't. Even, that, the list doesn't even have have everything. It's still missing things. It's missing. They're going to do a third Deadpool movie. That's not on there. Uh, they're doing a Blade uh, movie. Yeah, but that was done by Fox. But but now it's Marvel. Oh, now. it is. Remember they bought the Fox shit a few years ago. That was oh a big yeah, deal? that's right. They did. That was, <laughs> that was, I, I forgot that was after that was after the second Deadpool movie. Yes, that was yeah. it happened around the same time. Yeah, or right before that was already produced basically. But anyway, so they got all this shit lined up. But the highlight it starts off with Stan Lee talking about how movies are important. Of course, we all miss Stan Lee. People start crying or whatever. Um, and then it goes into like the past uh, Marvel movies, like characters that are not coming back anymore, like Steve, good old Steve, and Tony Stark. But then at the end of it. There's the Fantastic Four logo, and that's the only thing I cared about in this whole fucking trailer was the Fantastic Four logo, and that hasn't been announced yet. There's no date. I'm gonna guess it's gonna be probably probably 2023 because the director is doing still um, No Way Home uh, right now, which is coming out in December, the third Spider-Man movie. So, so no, Frank's, uh, Frank's, Frank's got to hold on until 2023. Basically. No, uh, no X-Men. Sorry, Ian. Yeah, that's alright. There's 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 too many things. I need a solid Captain Marvel secret called Marvels, which is going to be three characters. Uh, uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. That's that's going to be the title. That one I'm going to be really iffy on. I'm just going to. I I really wish they would have recast Black Panther, but whatever. We'll see what, 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 where it goes. Yeah, I don't know. They're, 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 we're going to say, oh, Black Panther died in the mission and he's gone. It's going to be it's going to be weird no matter what. It's going to be weird. And no I guarantee you they're going to lean heavily on fucking CG to have him in there for at least half the movie and I, I just, do you think so that wouldn't be too more disrespectful than recasting him I think it oh I didn't CG say Charlie it wouldn't be, I, I, I'm not saying it wouldn't be disrespectful I'm just saying that's one of the main reasons I don't want to see it I think they should just recast it they've, they've recast uh, you know Hulk they've rec- I mean there's precedent for recasting they've recasted like three times they, sure. you know, there's precedent I think people would have got and plus it could have set the president where we got to recast some of his characters anyway Spider-Man can't be you know, seventeen year old, seventeen year old forever. Yeah, they're, I do they're, think... gonna, they're gonna bring back Captain America at some point. They're gonna bring back Steve Rogers. He's not gonna be gone forever. Not be gone for the next eight, ten years. They're gonna bring him back. They're gonna, yeah. bring, they're gonna bring back Iron Man at some point. It's gonna be uh, uncomfortable, but we have to get to the yeah. They have to deal with the fact that recasting is something they're going yes. to have to do at some point anyway. So they might as well do yes. it now. Just get rip people, the bandaid off. Yep, get people used to the idea. And you, maybe you can explain. I don't know. He had a horrible accident. They had to like do surgery on Chadwick Boseman. I don't know. I'm. Just, it's gonna be weird no matter what. I, I, I'm thinking about all the freaking five year old little little boys and girls that love Black Panther don't realize that the actor might have died or don't know. And they go to the movie theater, there's no Black Panther. It'd be kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Treat it like James Bond. Recast it. That's all. Sorry. What's going on here? Um, that's not a good segue to UltimateNintendo.com, uh, where you can buy <laughs> you can buy books. Books. Uh, Get not, books. Not, Get stickers. Hey, they're not for resale. Blu-ray. Right here, which is also available. You can watch it on, on Amazon as well for a little rental fee or buy it. And, you know, you got stickers and Ian's face on the enamel pin. He's never looked at as, as shiny, Ian's face, as on the enamel pin. You know, he is getting a little reflective right now on the forehead. He's got some powder you can put on you. <laughs> it's called, like, HD makeup. They have that. That exists. I'm also on Cameo, cameo.com slash patcountry. And I'm on Twitch every Wednesday night. Twitch.tv slash country code. People like it. It's it's a hang, yo. Come out and you, you chill you, you chillax, as the kids say, is chillax a zoomer term or is that already done? Ooh, I don't know. 
that's not even a Zoomer term. No, it's like a millennial term. No, that's a millennial term. That's a millennial it's term. Not, it's that not, wasn't a good millennial term either. Speaking of books. Yes. Our pal Pixel Dan's Masters of the Universe He-Man Toy Guide is finally out, published by Dark Horse. I've known about this book for like three and a half years and couldn't say anything about it for like the first like two years, uh, you know, talking about it with, with Dan. Dan is obviously a huge uh, toy guy. He-Man is, is probably his number one thing that he likes. He likes Ninja Turtles. though. No, he likes all toys, but this is this is a good-looking book. I, I'm going to get this book. Um, it's, it's a good price. It's on Amazon. It's also, you can get it from, I think, the PowerCon website. has a, has a supplemental uh, character guy with it. And I'm proud of Dan for putting this out. Photography is beautiful. It's every freaking toy from the 82 line up to, like, present day. Like they did like three or four different lines of He-Man toys. It's like every single toy. I'd also point out that uh, a lot of local comic book stores have been getting this in because it's through Dark Horse, so you can support Dan and your local comic book store as well. Don't need to give that money to Amazon. Fuck Amazon if you can. Um, so, yeah, try and get but it Dan anywhere. gets a little bit of that. <clears throat> well, Dan's okay. going to get a little bit of it no matter okay. what if people are buying the book. That's okay. all I'm saying. I'm saying check out your local comic book store. You're vaccinated. But, but, the world's coming back. But maybe you don't have a local comic book store. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. Uh, but I'm excited for this, too. I actually have it on order. Uh, I'll be getting it through Bonnie's uh, comic book shop. Um, I've always been interested in He-Man toys. He-Man. Uh, I never had It was them. my first toy. I didn't first have toy. them as a kid. However, by the time my younger brother was of toy-having age, uh, they were, like, the number one hand-me-down. My brother had shitloads of them. Got them from... Because he probably went to any... Parents could go to yard sales and get them. Oh, garage yeah. sales are, yeah. like... My, my mom comes from a big family. She was one of seven kids. So they always knew friends and people who had shit that were getting rid of stuff. So we always got... Yeah. We always got toys. So my brother had a huge cardboard box full of them. And I always thought they were cool. I liked the designs. They obviously had a lot of fun making some of those toys. And oh, they're wacky. They're and great. it started out... This is weird, but it's... One of the things I really like about He-Man toys is it started out as a toy. It wasn't yes. based on a story or a, a cartoon. It was just... It's, it's rarity. Where it, was a, it was a toy first before they realized, hey, we got to think of backstory to this stuff and then do the cartoon and everything. It was in reverse. Yeah, so yeah. what I like about it is th- yeah. there's a lot of those that really do mm. feel... I, I, not to sound stupid, but they really do feel like toys. They were designed as something to be interesting to a child at first. So you have yeah. the fucking lobster hands. You have the ones that smelled like something. Awful, you awful. have the ones with the moss. Stinkor. Yeah, yeah, the, the moss, moss, man. moss man. So they're really neat toys. And uh, I have no desire to collect them. But I I do want a book that will that's full yeah. of beautiful pictures that I can look at. So I'm actually really excited about it because it will scratch perfectly that He-Man itch that I get every once in a while. And it's while. like 700 pages, this book. Yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a it's a hefty. So book. I'm I'm excited to get it. I'll I'll sit down and uh, yeah, I'll probably blow. No, through it I had a, I had a, I had a decent amount of He-Man. It, well, I went from He-Man to basically GI Joe, but they they basically had almost the same life. But obviously GI Joe lasted longer. The peak of He-Man was probably a little before the peak of GI Joe by a few years. Like let's say like '85 was like the peak of He-Man. '85, '86. That was it. Then it went downhill quick, well, especially with the movie shit in, that, in the second line. But um, no, check it out. Check it out. Good old Pixel Dan. Maybe he'll do a mask uh, guy left uh, next with me. A much smaller book for masks since they only went around for like two years. Gold-plated Wii is for sale. Yeah, saw this. Apparently a gold-plated Wii made for Queen Elizabeth II <clears throat> um, is for sale. And it is exactly what it you know looks like. <laughs> it's, it's a very, very shiny Wii. And the uh, controller. 
It's gold-plated. Yeah, the controller is gold-plated. It does not look like it has a gold-plated nunchuck, which is unfortunate. Oh, that'd be cute. Um, the queen likely never received the console, as outlined. She in this. gets a lot of yeah. gifts, but it did eventually find its way into the hands of a collector, Donnie Fillerup, uh, uh, a guy behind a website called Console Variations. Well, he's had to get a hold of that. Sounds like uh, sounds like the right guy to give it to, I guess, if he's running a website called Console Variations. Um, <laughs> Donnie is moving on with life, looking to buy a new place, and is parting with this. He has put this up on eBay for $300,000. we will see Remember, if it actually sells. It's carrot gold plated. It's not made of gold. That's uh, a big difference. Yeah, that is a huge if difference. If it was made of gold, maybe worth $300,000. Yeah. Um, this was uh, uh, done by THQ, commissioned this for the game Big Family Games. It was a publicity stunt. Big Family Games. And I guess the Queen heard about it and was like, uh, no. I don't like the Wii. I'm into, you know, PS, PS3. She's a PS3 player. She is. Who would have known that? You know? She, she was into the Killzone series. She was in the Killzone? She thought Killzone 2 was a disappointment, but thought maybe 3 was, you know, but I don't know. Actually, I don't know anything about the Killzone series. She was disappointed by, uh, you know, 360. She re- red-ringed one time too often the Queen, and she's like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to PS3. Screw this. So, check it out. Is, it, is there anything? Let's see. Has the auction ended already? No, it's on there. Buy it now or make an offer. I have a feeling it's going to have to go for substantially less yes. than $300,000. Yes, because it's not an official product. Someone commissioned it, you know. There's gold on it, but it's not like the Plated. Queen, Plated. Like, it's like, Plated, it's yeah. like a millimeter. Like, it's like nothing. And the Queen never touched it. She never... She, she, what if she signed it? She the Queen. Uh, big, big business news. Microsoft is lowering its revenue share. Its pants. It's mooning you. So according to confidential documents, Microsoft was is planning to reduce its 30% revenue split for the Xbox store by 18%, meaning the split would go from 70-30 from devs to 88-12, which is what Epic uh, Game Store famously started to do, which everyone was complaining about consumers were because Epic Games will give a launcher, but this is this is the the ramifications, the positive side of capitalism. It's competition, and the devs are going to get more out of this. And this is a surprising move uh, for them to do this. Um, that's because that's a big. You're taking home a lot more uh, bread as a developer and publisher. That's a lot more. Yeah, it's a lot more, a lot more cash. Um, so this is part reveals part of the Epic Games versus Apple uh, case going on right now. Right this moment. So this is one of the things that's come out of it. So, yeah, I guess now that it's been revealed, it's kind of hard to go back. Now we change our mind. It's like, uh, uh. So I guess they want to make sure that they, they have a competitive advantage. May they see Epic potentially eating into products, or maybe they, they want to attract more exclusives by doing this, like Epic does. I think, it's, I think that's what it comes down to, is a desire to attract more exclusives. But it's good for the developers who can take advantage of it. So Spokesperson said, we have no plans to change revenue share for console games at this time. So, maybe they're not ready yet, but they will. Um, you would think they would have redacted that, though, if they, if, they, if they could, if it was a court document, they would have, like, blacked that out. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. Um, let's see. According to this IGN article, they say it, this would clearly be a move to bolster Microsoft's Xbox Cloud Gaming and Xbox Game Pass service. Yeah? Yeah. 
There you go. If, if they do this though, does that does it is it a domino effect? And Sony has to do it, and and the Nintendo has to do it, then Apple has to do it. I don't know. I, I would hope so, but I I don't know. I, I mean, feel like people will take their time on that. Thirty percent greedy. Thirty percent is a hefty take for basically having servers up. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, that's a hefty take. Jesus, twenty percent even is like that's reasonable. Twenty percent. All right. Uh, what else is happening? Uh, NFTs. God, we can't we can't get away from this topic. NFTs. No. So, um, Sega Japan said something uh, last week that they would start selling NFTs of their most famous properties, and um, fans were not pleased about it. So, NFTs are extremely controversial. I'm not going to try to get back into them. But basically, they're not fungible. That's more important. (laughs) They're certainly not fungible. That is, uh, I feel like that's key. (laughs) That's key to being an NFT is that you cannot be funged. Uh, oh boy, are we are we sick of fungible jokes yet? Probably, um, but you know what's good for for getting rid of fungibles? Those uh, Logan boom, batteries. tough acting, to acting. Oh, okay. You ruined my callback. <laughs> um, I, well, I didn't know you were going to call back to Logan Berries. Well, you should have let exactly. I had an answer. God, try to be professional. Uh, fan reaction was not good, uh, and it seems like um, where was the fan reaction? Like, was it on Twitter? It was on Twitter. Uh, but there is a lot of uh, concern over the environmental impact that NFTs uh, have. Anything with blockchain, for the most part. So anything with blockchain, uh, that includes cryptocurrency. Please don't email me again saying, hey, Pat, there's all this eco stuff going on with certain Bitcoin. Yes, most- we've been saying, the, 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 here's the problem with it. That eco stuff that's been going on, that's going to happen anytime now. That people constantly it's talk about. It's a huge about. net loss still for the environment. It's, well, but yeah, every time energy pe- they've been, people have been saying that it's going to get better for years and it doesn't get better. So it's just a deflection technique. Mm-hmm. You can only say that so many times without actually doing it. Yeah. Yeah, you got to. Hey, I'm not saying don't don't buy crypto or NFTs, but there's a bad uh, ecological side to it. Really bad. But anyway. Go Anyways. On. So, yeah, it looks like Sega is going to sell them. It seems like a weird... Uh, I don't know. It, 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 it's a it's a weird way of striking while the iron's hot. I don't. I, I, this NFT is going to burn out by the end of the year. At this point, yeah, it's been. I thought it was going to be a couple years, maybe. But like everyone's getting into it so quickly, I think they realize that yeah, this this is not going to be long for this world. I haven't really looked into it too deeply, but it seems like people are already saying that stuff that they bought. Surprise, surprise! A few weeks ago, they couldn't resell for a fraction of that price. Wow, what a shock! Because it's fucking horseshit. Yeah, it's not real. And the, you can get it by looking at the listing if you want the pick. Like it, there's no value to owning. There's no value to owning something like that. That's not physical. If you can't, if you can't use it for anything, you can't use it for anything. That's what it comes down to, right? So, the, you can't even use it really to make money either. No. I guess you get like a T-shirt printed. If I own the digital version of a like. <laughs> I mean, you could you like, can make money by reselling it. That's what I mean, but that's not that's, and it goes back to the stuff that we talked about with like Dogecoin and whatnot, which I'm not, which I'm not innocent of. I, I put the Ian has to disclose he owns Dogecoin before he talks about it I, I for the like, FTC. I feel you know, I just feel like it's only fair. Um, but it's it's ridiculous, and it's investing for the sake of investing. You're not investing in anything. You're literally buying tokens to play the investing game. It's beans, but, but uh, yes, but unlike people who actually do it with, I don't know. Items. There's nothing here. Eventually, nothing that here. falls apart. No. 
Yeah, this this it, it's a it's, it's a purely it, mechanical. It's a game of chicken. It's watching the mechanics in action with nothing behind it. With the NFT thing, I think some people are trying to hype themselves up, like, "Oh, this is the future of collecting." Instead of physical stuff, have it all in your computer. But the point, is, but like, with ninety percent of the population is like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And they don't buy in, then it's done. Yeah. What, what what was one in particular that you saw that they couldn't resell that? Uh, it was like I said, it was it was it was an article I was reading, but it was something about. Uh, Beeple is an artist that did like a multi-million dollar sale or something. It was big. I think it went through one of the big auction houses like Christie's or something like that. And they're like trying that. to resell it. And I or, think someone or... was just talking about how like when you look at the market for it or people trying to resell it for like even a fraction of the cost, it's not moving. And real artists can be and real art's a tough market too. Imagine yeah. that. And this is and this is art that you gotta convince someone, well, I'll just email it to you. <laughs> It'll be on your art drive. Oh, that's fun stuff, Ian. Yeah, it's good. We love we love the fungi the fungibility of topics. We put the fun in fungible. <clears throat> All right, on, on to the the main the main course, Logan Berries. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Uh, Ian Berries. Ian, we talk about uh, speculative game uh, folks out there that get stuff graded. You just grew eight inches. We've talked a lot about speculation <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, uh, we, we. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> what's with the elbow lean? I don't know why. I'm, I, looks professional. I'm very. Let's in, talk. Let's I'm talk. Very into it. We're gonna. We're Let's gonna talk have turkey. An, we're gonna have Let's an informal turkey. rap session about speculation. <laughs> yeah. um, so we have talked about this, and I have brought up that uh, there has been surprisingly little chasing the flag. Uh, which means which means uh actually going for going for the the so say Mario Brothers the first Mario Brothers would be the Mario Brothers in Japan going after the actual original of something as opposed to the original in your country the original first release regardless of where it came out yes yeah, so this is something that happens uh in 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 for instance in books often a, a first edition of the little prince in french is the original that's the original you yes. can have a first edition in english first edition in spanish but, but collectors having, know they but, want the first but, one that was printed but the, but the one that is yeah. of you know and all of those could be worth something but the one that is of course truly of note for collectors would be the french edition in the original language so right. i've always wondered how come the mario super mario brothers on famicom or castlevania yeah, or 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 zelda 2 isn't sought after so it looks like people are finally starting to go after that you want to you want to address why we think that is i've seen i've seen speculation about potentially xenophobia uh, about maybe not awareness i think it's uh, i want to break down to one thing i think i, I think, think part of it is xenophobia weirdly uh there is something about the the americanness of something that can sometimes uh, uh you know be attractive know. to a collector but i think more than anything i uh, think it's it, nostalgia well i was gonna say i think more than anything in the u.s it really comes down to nostalgia it's what you grew up with 
And you know that there's a market for that. And even these SEAL collectors try to say in, in these articles that ridiculous, oh, I remember seeing the game on the shelf when I was a kid. So it would be harken back to the one they had, which would be the North American version. And I but get that. But if this that. is for the history of things, which they often like to tout when talking about how much, how expensive well, it, well, something is. Well, it's bullshit, though. It's That's history. why we know that. It's yeah. history. No, it's, it's, history. it's nostalgia. Yeah. You're saying it's history because you want to feel better about it. And it's there is history there, but that's not no. what you're chasing. No. Necessarily. No. You're chasing your own childhood memories. Or, try, or trying to breed that into the marketplace for you to make money on your your. your and there is historical value to a U.S. release. There's historical value to the story and all the things that came with the NES release. But there is also, <laughs> by if you're going to follow that, then you have to place historical importance on the first print you can't copies of... Right. Of the super fa- or the regular the Famicom version, but let's stop pretending they give a shit about historical value. Or... A lot of these people don't. Ninety-eight percent don't. I would say. Um, I think that's changing. I think. I think with, with... Oh, the sealed collectors. Oh, no, no. I'm just saying in general. I think there is a a, a an increase in historical appreciation, not with the sealed collectors. Oh, no. I'm, I'm talking about the no, sealed collectors and, okay. and how they pump up their market. Just wanted to clarify okay. that. Okay. All right. So. Like, because we we haven't seen like I I can search for Famicom and Heritage auctions. There'll probably be a handful of things. Let me do that. But it looks like people are discovering not not only are there Japanese versions of the North American stuff that came out years before in some cases, they're also a hell of a lot cheaper to get those items either complete in box or sealed. Right. This goes back, you know, to Ian. You know, I've gone to many conventions where a lot of it's true. We're we, very. We're there's well always a couple of, of, of vendors that we love, at least that have like, you know, they have the imports, and there's not a huge amount of interest in like Famicom games for the most part, or Super Famicom games, the the equivalent. The equivalent. There just there just hasn't been. There there's, there was a small uptick in some of the card stuff when, like for example, like people try to get the little Samson uh, Famicom one because the U.S. one was worth a ton of money. Or, like, there's some scenarios that that was some Super Famicom. DuckTales 2 is cheaper on that. Yeah. The, yeah. There were instances Mr. where people got into it, but, you know, the NES in particular was very much focused, the collecting scene was very much focused on just the U.S. No. I, I own, like, maybe 10 Famicom games or 15. Like, I don't have a lot of it. And even, but even the SEAL stuff, I remember seeing at conventions... You could see it at conventions, and it's like, no, it's not a huge amount of money. You get like a, you know, you know, you get like a Zelda two, you know, Famicom disc. Uh, you know, get it sealed. It's not, it's not like you never thought about it being a thing. But now it looks like, according to Gaming Alexandria, they did a tweet. Um, they're now starting to to be big sales, and it could be on on the heels of the six hundred thousand dollar Super Mario Brothers sale. People are now speculating that maybe the Japanese prior releases will be going for a lot of money. So now these are starting to go for money for thousands of dollars. These games that would have went for a hundred bucks, you know, a few months ago, right? Uh, like so, like the Super uh, Mario Brothers uh, Famicom uh, looks like sealed. Uh, yeah, five hundred sixty-one thousand yen, which is five point six thousand U.S. dollars. That's nuts yeah. to see that sort of increase. So people are starting to take a gamble now on this stuff, apparently. Apparently, we're really seeing it in Famicom disk system prices. Again, that's uh, what Gaming Alexandria is saying. You know, five years ago, you could get easy, easily sealed get bleh, easily get sealed copies of these games for not more than a hundred bucks, um, and now they're starting to go up. Yeah, it looks. If you look at the listing here, you got the you know uh, looks like Castlevania on Famicom disk. That's went for one point six thousand uh, dollars. Looks like uh, Legend of Zelda. Famicom disc uh, went for two grand. Uh, Castlevania three grand. Um, it's nuts. The 
looks like the the the, the cart version of Legend of Zelda went for 1.2k. There's that weird one with the, with the with the cute face in the front that you know the name of I don't. Doraemon went for a grand. It's like is that even a game that anyone would even know here? No. So they're just speculating everything. Yeah. Oh, it's, is, is it sealed or nice condition? I'll just buy it. Is that one even sealed? I don't know how many of these are sealed or not, looking at this. All from the same seller, too. So someone, for the most part, a uh, seller called Hotchpotch uh, selling it there. Or is that the winner? That's probably the, probably the seller. I got to go on more Yahoo J- Japanese auctions. I used to do that. I got to go on more of those. Yeah, check them out there. see what's there. Um, yeah, so we're talking about astronomicals, leaps in prices, because people are now thinking, I'm going to get rich on this. I'm going to buy a Super Mario Brothers for five grand that I'll sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars, potentially. Is that going to happen, Ian, do you think? Do you think people would are going to get into that uh, or try to create that market for this stuff? I think it will probably... They'll try. They'll have to educate the people like they had to do with all the black boxes. try. It'll be interesting to see... You'll see an article. Well, this was the original version, really. Of Super Mario Bros. This was the original Castlevania. So I've always been told, and I don't know how true it is, but I've always been told there is there is less of an obsession with the retro titles in Japan. So I don't know that I ever see it getting to the levels it has gotten here in Japan. And I think it would be very hard for the collectors right now, as we think it's a relatively small group of people doing all of this. A few hundred. <clears throat> I think it would be hard for them to create focus on two markets and have both of those markets succeed. Meaning I don't think this is going so, to have the longevity. <clears throat> I don't think this will hit the prices that it does in the that the American releases have unless there becomes a bigger worldwide interest in the Japanese titles, especially in Japan itself. And I don't necessarily see that happening. Yeah, uh, especially since <clears throat> I think it's a lot easier to get those games uh, those like first run games I think in the box right out there. I mean I just searched for Super Famicom Super Mario Brothers. Let me, let me see how many come up with box here. Uh, yeah, I mean there, there, there's a there's a bunch on here in the box. Yeah, I don't know if they have all the weird variants in order to distinguish themselves either. Like people, or they probably do, but there's no. I don't think anyone really knows that knowledge isn't out there yet. Like you said, people, it's not creating, but people are going to have to look for these things to create those those variants that you know differentiate the the worth of certain releases sure these aren't these aren't as, as sexy to to like heritage auctions as you know the north american releases basically right they'd, they'd have to really push for this but i'm not saying they can't do it because hell they did it with stuff i didn't think like just complete in boxes you know legend is other going for a grand because it's yeah. a first release that's insane to me so but like because there's a lot of them out there so i guess it's whatever what, what's the story that i guess you can tell is what it comes down to. Yeah, there are zero Famicom games that have been on Heritage Auctions. I just searched. Zero have been on there? I searched for WADA Famicom, and it says zero past sold items. Mm, okay. So, unless there's like a SFC or FC, there's like, I don't see any. I don't remember seeing them either. We would have, we would have commented on it, probably, yeah, in the price. Probably would have said something. So, yeah, I, I guess we'll see if this becomes a thing these these games I, I would bet dollars to donuts that almost all of these games are from someone in the US that's going to get them and get them graded and do the experiment and try it but looking yeah. at this Gaming Alexandria tweet yeah. that we're referencing uh, right below it is Kelsey Lewin from 
uh, Video Game History Foundation saying this is 100% driven up by the foreign buyer collectible market. I expect this to show up for auction slabbed in the U.S. any day now. And, and sure. that's probably it. I, I highly doubt this has anything to do with people actually in Japan suddenly no. buying these up. They, th- they probably think we're nuts already. Yeah. Worshipping this old crap. They're like, hey, we don't have space to keep all this shit around. We're in like a 220 square foot apartment. Get rid of that crap. Which is, which is probably a lot of the, a lot of the culture is like that, especially if you're in a city. Yeah, you know, you live in like a freaking closet. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, anything else to add there? Is there is there, is there any any boxed Famicom games you'd want? Any weird shit you'd want? Bird Week. Bird Week. Bird Week. I'd love a boxed complete copy of Bird Week. Is that actually a game? Yeah, it's actually a game. Me? It's it's on like every fucking multi card. Is there Logan Berries in that game? There are no Logan Berries in that game. Is that one? Is on? Uh, it's one I recognize if I see it. Let me see it real quick. It's here. literally on like every multi card. Every, every multi card. You play as a bird and you feed worms to baby birds. Oh yeah, it's adorable. Yeah, yeah. Howard, yeah. Howard Phillips like yeah, it ain't coming out here. That's too simple. That's like an Atari game. It's a very simple game. That's, that, that's simpler than most black box games. We didn't get a lot of those sort of like Chubby Cherub is the closest game we got that kind of had that sort of look and style, you know, or like or like Ninja Kid, which I believe was a Doraemon game at first. One of those one of those big Bandai games that came out here was actually a Doraemon yeah, game. Chubby Cherub was, was the Penguin originally. It was, oh, a, it was okay. a cartoon. Yeah, that came out there. Did you see my NES Punk video from eight years ago? Maybe not. Where I eat a giant chocolate heart. No. Mm-mm. So my ex was upset at me that I, since I bought more. Uh, more stuff for that video than for her for Valentine's Day. Really? And I got her stuff for Valentine's Day, but, like, I bought props that year for that video because I, I, Chubby Chuck came out on Valentine's Day. She was upset. Sorry, that's in the side. It's behind the scenes, behind the music. That's in the liner notes for the Pat the Hideous Liner notes, yes. All right, we'll move on? Mm-hmm. Moving on. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Maybe you're feeling a little down because of quarantine. Well, BetterHelp is there to assist you and will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. This service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com slash podcast. That's better H E L P and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for CU podcast listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash CU podcast. All right, Ian. Patrick. There is this uh, console that's been in development now for a few years. Mm. We haven't talked about it that much. Called the Intellivision Amico, mm-hmm. purported to be a family-friendly, basically plug-and-play console that'll come with six games, premium, six games, uh, six premium games that <laughs> premium mobile quality games, and it will cost 
between $250 and $300 in the United States. I looked online. It will cost $340 in uh, if you're paying for it in euros. Oh, okay. Uh, euros mm-hmm. to USD. But it was supposed to come out in October. It was delayed uh, once, twice, delayed April. And that's supposed to come out in October 2021. So we always talked about this console and how its uh, CEO could not be protected from criticism from an actual gaming outlet like his his little sycophantic youtubers that kiss his ass is one thing or being on his uh corporate reddit subreddit or on uh or atari thread but once people that actually are journalists or people that for a living have to have integrity in reporting on things once i get a hold of your item and are objective about it you're not safe anymore potentially so ign middle east got an early look at the amico and they looked at it at their offices out there. Um, it's called the, the article is called "Intellivision Miko Hands On: The New Console on the Block." Intellivision's new console has a unique feature up its sleeve, um, and it goes into some of the backstory about it. It goes into we talked about uh, simple, affordable family and entertainment. Safe. S A F E. According to uh, Sumit Agarwai, managing director of Mita and South Asian Television, he's the rep out there. Uh, the console isn't aimed to capture the market held by industry giants like Sony, Microsoft, or even Nintendo, but to carve out its own niche among the, the younger generation of gamers. All those younger generation of, of YouTubers, yes, they're, they're really uh, excited about this. They're not all uh, 55 years old. Um, aimed at parents that want to bring a family-friendly console into their homes, blah, blah, blah. Price tag 250 to 270 even though it's, it's, it's more than that, really. Um, talks about having LED lights, then it goes into about the console being light to hold, a stark contrast to the PS5 and Xbox Series X, both which weigh several kilograms. <clears throat> In quotes, the reason for this could be that Amico doesn't exactly feature cutting-edge technology. The games that we saw feature sharp visuals, but they would be nothing your mobile phone would not be able to handle. Yes, because the Amico Guts is basically an old uh, Android phone board for the most part. Yeah, it's a Snapdragon phone board. It's an old board. It's it's a it's a, it's it's a basically you can put a cell phone inside a plastic box and tape it in there and that's basically what what's running these games for the most part, maybe with some tinkering or some minor upgrades. That's it. So they talk about the controllers, um, and then that they would, replacements could cost forty to sixty dollars according to the rep. I saw higher online. I saw seventy dollars on an Amazon European listing before it was removed. Uh, the price seventy for what for a, a, an Amico controller if you want to buy a controller on oh, its own okay. seventy dollars uh, for one. Uh, maybe that was euros. I forget. Either way, it was not forty to sixty dollars. Talk about downloading the app uh, to make your an, your phone an extra controller. They tried several ga- games: Astro Smash, a Bullet Hell Space Invader esque shoot 'em up. Astro Smash is not uh, bullet, bullet Hell. hell. No, it's not even. Uh, I guess Asteroid Hell. Is asteroids are falling. Yeah. Shark Shark, a children's game where you must eat increasingly bigger fish, and Moon Patrol, a side-scrolling arcade shooter which you can play on your phone. Uh, each of these games will use a touchscreen in some way. And Astro Smash, the screen allows you to select your preferred vehicle or enable you to dash around the screen. And Shark Shark, the screen lets you choose the color of the Joy Discs LED in order to help distinguish between players. I Fucking guess. groundbreaking. Um, so we're reading an article that was updated quickly after it was first released because the next part is what really is the, the meat of, of this story. There's, there's an animated GIF put out. By the way, there's no video at all of them playing this stuff in the article. There's no video of anything. But there is a GIF they put out 
of them, I guess, selecting the shark shark fish um, on on the touchpad of the Amico controller and clicking the buttons around. And what you see is um, not the most responsive controller, we'll just say, when they click on something. When they click on uh, to basically load it uh, originally, the person has to click the button twice because it's so slow to load up that he has to click it again. And then when click, when clicking on the fish or the color, I guess, for the fish, it's about a, 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 almost a full second reaction between touching it and having it light up in between that. The checkbox that is clicked it is, though, instantaneous, which makes you realize that it's not the hardware's problem. There's, this is not optimized at all. Right. This is behind the scenes uh, coding that is really bad, that something is happening here where this is just not, this isn't responsive, this touchscreen. Um, according to the local rep, the controller featured an older version of firmware, and because it didn't quite f- feel as responsive to the touch, didn't feel quite as responsive to the touch, it doesn't, you can say it's not responsive at all in this video. They, uh, then, and according to this, further improvements have already been made in current firmware builds, builds in the final retail units. So that doesn't sound too bad, but that's not the original article. Right. The original article, you cannot get in English, but it was archived. It's in it's in Arabic. If you translate it to English, it's a little bit more damning than that. If you translate it, you got that fired up, Ian, or all fired up for you? Uh, I'm trying to. My computer is lagging behind. Okay, so the original is a little bit more. That they're not splicing words as much here. Um, so originally it says, due to the dis, uh, due to the resistive touch screen, it's not. It's capacitive. Due to the but due to the resistive touch screen using the controllers. I didn't feel it was fully responsive to touch and suffered from a lag that would disrupt you in the game. Yeah. It would disrupt you in the game. So I guess uh, Tommy Talrico saw that and, and reached out or or the rep, the rep says, I don't know, you got you to change that. That's Tommy not what we want. Is, Tommy is famous for presenting something. People uh, react to what they are presented with. With their own eyes. With their own eyes. They react with, to it. And then uh, Tommy flips out and tells you that what you saw is wrong and explains everything has been fixed or this is going to happen or this is going to happen and then gets really mad at you. Like Um, like it's the fault of the person seeing it with their own eyes. We need to reiterate to Tommy that if you are putting this stuff out, you have to deal with how it appears to us. No amount of, of telling us that it's really this way is going to change what we see with our eyes. He did this to us with our initial videos. He does this to other people's videos from time to time. He probably saw this and immediately got into the comment section or something and was like, no, but it's really this way. Yeah, he went on, he went on the Intellivision underscore Amico subreddit because obviously they reported on it and he tried to say, oh no, well, it was old firmware. It was firmware that was months old for, for both the hardware and the controller. Yeah, Sumit was using old hardware, old firmware yeah. and, and said that, and then, and then got, because he loves to do this, got like hyper specific and was like, the controller was like seven firmwares behind and the console was three firmwares We're, behind. We update the firmware every other day. Tommy, fuck off. This is your responsibility, bud. Yeah, it looks bad. So either you can say, either either then you're lying about your product or you're incompetent and don't know how to direct your employees to present something that is the largest, arguably largest video game reporting outlet in the world, IGN, and giving them a a product that's not finished. I'm going to call Bravo Sierra and say that this is this is how it is right now. It's incompetence. It, 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 it's infuriating that he can't just... Admit it. Admit it. 
Yeah. You're allowed to have mistakes. The biggest problem, half the reason why we're even at this point with the Amico and talking like this is because you refuse to ever admit a fucking mistake. Yeah, refuse to admit that based upon the Astro Smash and the infamous Finnick and Fox video and seeing the other games with lag, that there's actually just lag. There is lag. It's there. Just say, yeah, we're working on it. It's there. Not try to say, oh, no, your guys are crazy with your frame counting and this crazy stuff. No, just admit that this isn't finished. But you can't do that, though, because when you say that, then someone like me that's critical and reasonable or Ian will be like, well, why are you still having issues like this for a console that was supposed to have been done in October and out the door? Why, why are you still having issues for something that you're taking pre-orders for in the first half of 2020 saying, oh, it's, it's going to come out in October? We have a good chance of getting October. When we're still seeing this shit two months, two months before you have to go into production to get it out for this October. And we still have bad-looking product right now that cannot why, be released. Why are you not making sure that before your system is shown off to one of the biggest video game websites yeah. that it's not running at its most current firmware? Well, I would say this is the most current where he's lying about do, it. Do you give I, a I'll shit? just say that. Do you care about your console, or is this yeah. just... Best case some... scenario, best, best case is you don't care. Or did you just want to be a video game guy? I, I just think it's it's... Not knowing what you're doing, but it's also like he likes to he likes to throw out all these cool like oh the, this this article is talking about this he's not he's not putting this article out anywhere saying oh we're I was going to say I, don't, I have not seen this no put anywhere this this is this is getting he, because he throw, knows that this is getting swept under the rug this article this is not as dev this is not devastating they used some nice language but it's certainly not positive it's not positive it's not positive for a console that's so, again going to production within eight weeks in order to come out for October. And he keeps using this terminology. He keeps saying, well, it's not bad for a console that's six months away from uh, launch. No. You got to stop that, but it, 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 it's when six was, months behind. It's six months behind. And then even more uh, recently, two or three weeks behind its second mistake. No. You're not six months away from anything. You're six months behind. Yes. If you want to say, oh, we don't have the hardware to get this produced, that has nothing to do with the lag on the controller. Nothing. That's firmware and that's software dev stuff. We still haven't seen completed games. That we know of. We still haven't seen motion controls. Real motion controls for, like, Cornhole. I'm true. The hidden gem of the Amico is the Cornhole game, and we still haven't seen that. And we have eight weeks to go before we're in production? Are, are you still confident with your 49% of this coming out in October? I don't care. Okay. I, I'm lowering Pat's, Pat's uh, estimate from 28%. I'm going to lower it to... Fifteen percent. Well, I mean, it's going to take a hit. I saw something that that seemed like he was gearing people up for uh, another delay. Another delay, saying, "Well, we might do this many in October, and then this many in November." And it, he's already starting to, I think, wobble, equivocate, smooth the road for uh, a, 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 at least a partial delay. Well, they got their money. They got their, uh, you know, whatever it was, eleven million before uh, before figs cut. I don't know, that includes pre-orders. I mean, it's less. I mean, it made like seven or eight million bucks. They got. They got their money. They keep going. You know. Yeah. I don't think it's enough money to produce all the consoles they want to produce, though, in order to actually get into stores. Right. But they got. They got money. So, it is what it is. So I, I guess. I guess the takeaway from this, before we move on real quick, is that you can't throw your employees under the bus or say they had uh, bad firmware. You are in command of the ship, Tommy. He should have said, hey, hey, Tommy, I'm going to uh, IGN next week. Oh, great. I want to make sure you have all the, the, the up-to-date firmware installed. He's trying to make it that like it's a big deal to, uh, to get firmware sent all the way across the world. It's called the Internet. 
It's called having servers. You know, it's, it's called... And if it is a big deal for you, then you're not as competent as you think no. you are. So real quick, then we're going to transition to the exciting new products that are that are <laughs> that are becoming available for the Intellivision well, Amico. If you would like to give Tommy some money while you're waiting for the system to sure. actually come out, there are... And this stuff is just very cheesy. Uh, and I think so on any system. Uh, we have vinyl overlays for controllers, um, which are always... I hate them. I hate having to peel well, them off when they come in when they come in at work. Um, so you can get Amico ones. Uh, 15, 15 uh, euros. Fifteen by the way. euros. Fifteen euros to get for three, three stickers. Three stickers. For three stickers. And uh, uses the charmingly old fashioned girls and boys variety. You can get girl stickers well, and boy stickers. Well, the, the the girls one is actually it's like glittery and like, there's like a unicorn on one. And there's butterflies on another. There's the animal pack, which is like looks like cheetah, cheetah and giraffe patterns. There's the military one, which you're selling in Germany that has camouflage but it has an American uh, flag. Yes, there's one with an American flag they're selling in Germany right now. But there's also a camouflage one, a traditional camo, and then like the desert camo. There's a racing one because you got to have racing. I mean, it's Tommy. I mean, come on, uh, sci-fi, which is like it looks like it's there's a one with it. It looks like stock art. There's like an alien. Yeah, it head really on does. It. And then there's Sports Rec, which has uh, basketball, uh, golf, and um, tennis. Excuse me, bowling. It has bowling, golf, and tennis. Three games that I don't know are even on the Amico at this point in time. It's like you think you would have saw that too. I was, I was gonna like, be like, I'm not, okay, Tom, real quick, free advice. You'd want to get overlays that match some of your games that are gonna be released at least at launch, I guess. So anyway, so there's that. Put a cornhole sticker out yes. there. A Moon Patrol sticker. Yes. Astro Smash sticker. Astro there you Smash go. Sticker. Uh, then there's the console case, Ian. Boy, does this look delectable. Uh, the console case is 29 euros, and it's like a soft, like, throwing looking bag that it looks like one of those ones you, that anyone can get made online with their own design. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's yep. 29. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. It's a soft one, not a hard case. And then there's the controller sleeve, which looks like a, it looks like a cute little mini uh, sleeping bag. It's it looks little... <laughs> like one of those bags that you use to keep uh, pizzas warm when you deliver them. Okay. And that's 17 euros uh, right there. But there is a little clip on there with like a, a little clip for like, I guess, to put on like a what is that for the clip? I guess if you oh, wear it around your belt, a belt buckle clip for your yeah. You're ready to Amico on the go. <laughs> so anyway, so that's fun. That's some fun stuff. Oh, most importantly though, Ian, revolutionary. We have the Intellivision Amico button uh, set. Sixteen euros for a button set because they just couldn't figure out how to put them on a controller. Well, it's probably they're probably pushing it more for you know to have it more for the phone uh, for the phone attachment. But yes, there's four uh, looks like thumb disc joy disc things, and then red and blue little stick on buttons for, I guess your cell phone. But it would make your your Intellivision Amico controller more usable. Yes, if you put it on the, the touch screen, screen instead to have face buttons there. So yeah, so you can buy this stuff. The, the items these items will be released October eighth. Those those so you'll get that ready to go. Excellent. While your Amico's coming out, so. can't wait. So a- anything else to add uh, here? No. Don't don't throw your employees under the bus. Don't know, know what's going on. Take take some do- fucking responsibility. He doesn't deserve that. Your employee. All right, uh, Ian. Let's talk about the Framemeister, real real quick. Well, we're going to talk about the Retro Tink first. Okay. Uh, so Retro Tink, um, 
Uh, this is not an advertisement. I have used their products. Uh, I like the SCART 2X. I have it. Um, RetroTink is... The company created a line doubler, the RetroTink 2X, which for a really reasonable price, you can hook up a lot of systems to it and it displays them uh, in a nice way on an HD TV, a flat screen TV. I am not even going to pretend to understand what is going on technically. Um, but I've had one and I've used one. It was seen as uh, a cheap, like kind of a cheaper sort of half step up to what the Frame Meister did, which has always been a HD very, upscaler. Yes, which has always been an incredibly, um, an incredibly popular HD upscaler. Introduces little lag. Um, I had one for a long time. Uh, lots of bells and whistles, and did a good job. But there was nothing that really directly competed with it until the RetroTINK 5X came out. The RetroTINK 5X has been in development for a long-ass time. Uh, they just released their first batch of units on May 1st that were... It uh, wasn't a pre-order, they were orders. Uh, he didn't. I don't think they did any pre-orders for it. It was simply, I have this many units, we're going to start taking orders on May 1st, and they're going to get shipped out. They're already out of stock. Yeah, I think he said the same day they were going to get shipped out. Um, so yes, they're already out of stock. Sold out. The next run is supposed to be June, July. It says hopefully stable production and inventory from that point on. And these cost two seventy five. Two seventy five. They crossed out three hundred. It's an early bird thing, but it is an early bird thing. Okay. Even at three hundred, um, that seems to be a pretty good price. Uh, Frame Meisters uh, were. I don't know what the actual retail was, but I think it was around three fifty. And they stopped making the frame mics. And they stopped more making them a couple of years ago. So, so, th so this is a replacement potentially item for that. So we finally have a replacement, and in some ways that I once again will not try to explain. I'm sure it is better than the frame meister in some ways. It would only make sense that it would be, uh, since it's and you know it had years to iterate on the design. So retro pink, you get input pores, you get composite. Pink, retro tink. I said retro pink. I think you said pink. Retro tink, uh, you get composite. Uh, S-Video, Component, RGB, and Composite on a SCART connector. Okay, that'll cover most of the stuff you need, right? Uh, you get all the different resolutions, and according to this, you, you drop free gaming on titles that switch between 240p and 480i. So that was important for what I realized. Uh, there were some games, I think it was like some Saturn games that switch resolution, and some, some of those later systems from like the late 90s have different parts of the game where it's different resolutions, and that can screw with some of these upscalers, apparently. So that's a solution uh, right here, that which is fine. Um... Yeah, if you're a person that loves the, you know the upscale stuff, and you you want to play it on a an LCD or LED TV, this is a good product to use the original consoles. Yeah, I, I based on my my usage of their previous products, I have high expectations for this, and I think it will probably be a great product. Latency is between 0.25 to 1.25 frames in triple buffering, so that's going to be you're not going to be able to notice at all. That's very good. I mean, that's pretty damn good. Uh, and I think that beats the Frame Meister handily. Um, so this is great, but it has uh, led us to notice something that's kind of going on on eBay uh, with the Frame Meister, which we had discussed. So lots of people held on to the Frame Meister. Um, the, va the value of the Frame Meister went up value. Uh, a number of times uh, over the past few years, especially after uh, they stopped producing it. Um, you know, a unit that used to be able to be obtainable for, I'd say, you know, 300, if you knew where to look, to 350, um, started to, you know, get into the 400, 500 mark, uh, dollar market before, um, 
you know, people were aware that there was going to be a replacement. But sure. now it seems like people are trying to get rid of these frame meisters, and it seems like there is a little bit of controversy, or... a little bit of controversy, a little bit of shenanigans going on on eBay involving these to try to keep the price artificially as high as possible. Now that there's a uh, replacement out, um, this but... comes from uh, someone on Twitter uh, that is re, re-, re- uh, his name is Mike. Mike. And looks like there's reporting on this from the Retro Games, Retro Games fan Facebook group. It says, uh, "Hey folks, FYI, a lot of people are dumping their Frame Meister in favor of the upcoming Retro Tink 5X. Warning: If you look at the sold listings for the Frame Meister on eBay, those prices are greatly inflated. There seems to be a coordinated effort to inflate the price, since their value is probably going to tank now that there's another viable retail option for SCART. I myself put my Frame Meister on eBay." The winning bidder bid $200 more than the one below him, but they had a brand new account with zero feedback. Of course, they did not pay. After this, I took another look at the sole listings and saw a lot of FrameMeister auctions were won for $600 to $700 by similar, probably burner accounts. So, okay, Ian, I put up a little link to the, the past sold listings, and there are a lot that are between six dollars to $700 on here. Um, some that are lower, but there is, there's one that went for $810. There's a lot went for $600. So I clicked around, and uh, Mike is correct here. There are at least two listings that were won and, and were not bought and were relisted. One went for $810 and then was re- was relisted, for example. When I click on the bids on that, um, the person had the, the winning bidder. It wasn't zero, but they had only 17, but it was relisted. I did find a couple others, if you look, that was one with someone that had zero feedback, the buyer. And I want to point out the one that was won by the uh, person with 17 feedback, um, it was, so it was... Relisted. Yeah, but what I'm looking at is this original auction. It was originally at, uh, at 308, it was at 440. Two zero feedback bidders come in and bump it from 440 to 800. Wow. Then to 860... And then that final bid comes in at eight seventy, and then it was relisted. Just to show you the shenanigans, this one maybe this is the one that uh, that Mike put up. I don't know, but um, the original the original went for eight ten. It was relisted, and when it came back around again, five seventy one, it dropped uh, when it was relisted. That's one of them. So there's definitely shenanigans going on. That's that's without a doubt. There's shenanigans going on here. I, I, I'm not even cross referencing the highest the highest bids on here because you only can see feedback in some of the, the letters you can't right. see the full anymore but it looks like yeah there's definitely shenanigans going on here like i said i just i found four right off one with two different zero feedback bidders bid one up from looks like 200 dollars up to 680 on april 19th that's their plain as day in front of my eyes right. who knows where that would would have ended up at maybe in the 200s maybe 300 it wouldn't have been 680 that's for sure uh, and then there's another one here. This one is crazy. This one is... Uh, you look at the one that ended at 610? Yeah, the one that ended at 610. That's nuts. It was a 400... There was a $400 bid um, uh, a few days before the auction ended. And then um, one, two, three, four, five bidders come in with zero feedback well, and take it from 400 to 610. Well, and that's the same user, but they keep bidding it up. Right. Okay, so they kept bidding it up. And but then... against another zero feedback. Back. Yes. So they did it on purpose. They used two different accounts or did it in concert with... And yeah, this is bad. This is why this is bad. We talked about this uh, with retro game prices in general is that if you don't know any better, like eBay doesn't take out after the fact 
saw listings that aren't paid for. It should like have like a different color or say this wasn't paid right. for. It doesn't do that. So if you didn't know any better and you wanted to get one of these frame meisters, you'd think that was the going price. You might, yeah, you might think, oh wow, I got to spend that much money. There, it's a trick. It's a trick, and it, and it is, looks like it, it is like it looks like it looks like it's being done. I'm not even even deeping digger in, uh, deeping digger, uh, digger, deeping, deeper. digging deeper, D- digging deeper. <laughs> Did I say deeping digger? Yeah. Okay, I'm thinking of the old game from the PC. Without even uh, deeping into this anymore, um, <laughs> there's something going on. Yes, there's something yes, going there's on. There's clearly something going on. Um, and as we said, it, it, it's 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 people who. Oh, this all goes back to my least favorite statement ever when it comes to selling things. I'm just trying to get out of it what I put into it. And you especially can't do that with something that's mechanical or hardware because you can't do this with time. Time marches on. Yes. And there are going to be people who are going to try to make the frame life to this collectible thing that was, it was important for a long time. No. No, there's a better thing out now, or there's a thing that can replace it that's cheaper. It's time to move on. No, it's your frame meister no longer means anything. My, my, it does not need to be that expensive. My my tape recorder that that I tape myself doing mock, you know, baseball announcing in 1985 as a kid. I sold the tapes. That tape recorder isn't worth a ton of money because oh, that was that was a cutting edge at the time. You know, it's a right. it's a no. I'm sorry, you're gonna lose your money. Gonna lose it. And that's, but it's it's only good that more people can get a new product that's filling a demand in the marketplace. Yeah, no, it's that's great. Beautiful. This is a good thing all around. I'm happy that the Retro Tink 5X is out. He's I, not upset. He's not going to do a fake auction. No, I I, I sold I sold my uh, my frame meister to Daniel actually after I got the 2X. Our Daniel. Our Daniel. Winter uh, Ion. Okay. Um, because I no longer needed it. The 2X honestly does what I need it to do. Does the job. Does it, does the job. Would you get this one potentially? I, I would potentially get this one, but I'm not in a rush to go get it. I like sure. I said, I think it's going to be great for those people who want it, but I realize that I don't necessarily personally need that level. I would really like to see what the artificial scan lines on this look like because I have seen good artificial scan lines, but they are few and far between. That might actually be nice to see. The, the, your retro tank doesn't have that. It does, I, but it's. I think it's just like a. It's an on or off thing, and I. I didn't particularly. Oh, you can't. Oh, oh this one's gonna have. This like, you one's can, got the frame oh. meister style. You can adjust the intensity, the spacing, oh, et cetera, et cetera. That's nice. Yes, and that's I, a I, nice. I, I bet thing. you that they did a good job on it. Oh, okay. All right. So I guess that's that's the moral of the story is that when you buy tech, whether it's, you know, a, a DVD player, you know, you can't sell your DVD player because the Blu-ray player comes out and, and, and keep the same. Boy, I spent three hundred dollars on this DVD player back in two thousand one. I should be no. It's done. It's 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 tech. Tech depreciates so quickly. Usually, the, the frameized people are lucky that they stopped making it. They're lucky so that, that they yeah. had years years yeah. where they should have gotten rid of this, where it was worth more than it probably should have been because there was a vacuum in the market. Yeah. So good on good on the retro uh, tink uh, folks there. Maybe they'll do a retro pink version for Ian. They'll they'll have a pink case. Oh, that would be lovely. I would love that. Get on that there, retro tink folks. Get on that. All right. Is that is that is that it here? That's it. All right, uh, Ian. We have a we have a Patreon, don't we? We do patreon.com slash cu podcast. Uh, we do things. I do a weekly writing. I talked about Pokemon Snap this week. You did. Uh, we do a monthly hangout. I'll probably do mine again in a couple of weeks. Uh, full video podcast. Yes, with all full the video all podcast. the awkwardness that you miss out on sometimes on YouTube and poll topics. This week, you're, you're shifting a lot today. You're very moving. You got a lot of Loganberries. You got the extra en- energy. Yeah. Um, 
second place, would a monetary or other indicator cause you to sell your game collection? 26%. That'll, that'll get there. And in first place, this is always going to win. This is always how we get attacked for and our friends. When is a hidden gem game no longer hidden? So I think a hidden gem game is probably no longer hidden once it's been in three hidden gems videos. Is that is that what it is? Three? I think I think <laughs> I think that I was trying That's to think about I was trying to think of yeah. some sort of hard cutoff last night. And I'm gonna say once it's been discovered and put on YouTube three times, especially by any someone of any any notoriety, I I'd say it's it's no longer a hidden gem. Um I never did a hidden gem video in my life. I, I understand I the appeal of a hidden gem video. Uh, I, I do, especially when you're getting into a new um, when you're getting into a new system, a new library. It's nice to know about the games that aren't that aren't like the the you know the top properties. So if someone's getting into NES, for instance, it's easy to go, oh yeah, Zelda, Castlevania, Mario Brothers, Mega Man, Mega Man, yeah, Contra, Ninja Gaiden, Ninja yeah. Gaiden, etc. Um, and if you don't want to do all the digging yourself, it's nice to know where there are some... And, and hidden gems do tend to be cheaper. Got a guidebook. Yeah. They tend to be cheaper because at that point, they are uh, truly hidden. I would also say price indicator is a good, uh, a good indicator of when a hidden gem goes from hidden gem to just a gem. Yeah. Once the I price shoots through the roof... It's no longer think, hidden. Yeah, NES, it was all, almost like a Munich because you always had crazy NES uh, collectors going for albums. So uncommon and hard to find NES games are always worth more. But yes, it, people, if people are going at it because it's also a good game, it would bump it up more. Yeah. So um, it's nice to know about games like Guardian Legend is a common hidden gem on um, the NES. Uh, Crystalis. Crystalis is not not hard to find games really, but not like, hard to find. But yeah, they're less, not they're not the super popular ones. Lesser known, Battle of Olympus is one that I would consider a hidden gem. Thing is, I'm not telling anyone anything new because this has all been covered ad nauseum. Um, hidden gem videos have a have a time limit on them. I think uh, there any system that has a finite library, there's going to be a point in time where you can't release a hidden gem video any longer without people snickering i think i i, I don't oh, think this is coming a cri critique of the genre of the hidden gem video no it, it's it's not and i'm not i'm not <laughs> i'm not going there i'm not trying to stir up drama or anything no. uh, i don't I think, think i don't think you anyone can ever truly with a straight face release a nes hidden gems video I, ever I'll, again i'll do it now i will do it i'll, I'll find a few Sure. I mean, you can dig if you want, but at, hey. this, at this point, we're picking... Eliminator Boat Duel. Nintendo discovered that. Put it on their online uh, service. Right, but it's not a hidden gem anymore. People know. Maybe not everyone, but enough people know. They don't know enough. Um, we're at the point now where if you're doing a hidden gems video, you're not really picking out hidden gems. You're picking out games that you like that not everyone likes that maybe... That weren't popular. That deserve more. They're uncommon. Right. Um... And I think that's what a lot of hidden gem videos become. They're like, well, here are some off-the-beaten-path games that I really like, but I don't know if they necessarily would all count as diamond in a rough. I like Tom Sawyer. It's not a diamond in the rough. It's, it's a pebble in the rough. It is not a diamond in the rough. <laughs> I like that game a lot. It is not a diamond in the rough. You, If you go your entire life without playing... Yeah, Tom Sawyer, a gem's you're, not, be, you're not missing something. A gem has to be a, a very good game, I think. <laughs> yes. Gem's got to be a four, st four, four stars at least out of five. And I think Maybe three yeah. and a half. So I think I've said all I need to say about that. But yeah, that, that's, but that's you, where I'm at. But you really need to talk about how you don't know it's a hidden gem anymore. 
Besides the fact that, well, when three videos come out, it's not a hidden gem anymore. Too many videos, and 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 uh. and, and, and I would say monetary is a, is a good indicator of that. Once people have started talking about it, once well, once people are asking for it by name at the store multiple times, once I have to raise the price from five dollars to fifteen, that's what to I'm looking for. Ian, give me more to thirty, then it's no longer a hidden gem. Give me more because I was going to say like. I guess you've earlier, noticed, then, it, then it's just a gem. You you uh, you've probably noticed where all of a sudden there's a game sitting an NES game or SNES game on your shelf sitting on your shelf for like forever. All of a sudden three people ask for it in a couple of weeks. You're probably like, what's going on? Shatterhand was once a hidden gem. Shatterhand has not been a hidden gem for a long, long time. For like, it's an, it's for an eighty dollar game. Nine years it has been a hidden yeah, gem. It's an eighty dollar game. People know about it. It's great. Give me a Genesis example, Ian. Got a Genesis? The Haunting. Is that a hidden gem? Uh, the haunting is is one that yeah I would say the haunting counts. That was one that was definitely cheap for a while and it it it, it jumped up in price. Sure, uh, a lot of the shooters on the Genesis I think would be considered hidden Good gems. It, games, games that Everyone people avoided now. back in the you know the the when sh- shooters were always shit on back then uh, by certain were people. They? I think in the U.S. they were because they were seen as, all the same sort of. I think parents and people were hesitant to spend. 60 on a shooter when you could spend 60 on something like Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Yeah. I never I never had a shooter on the NES or Now the I Super love Nintendo. shooters and I get oh, I get that much money of enjoyment out of them, but when you're a kid, these very hard games that cause you to replay the first level over and over again and you might play the game in total for 5-10 minutes while you're getting good at it, they don't seem as they don't seem like as good of a well, financial investment as something like Sonic 2 that has multiple levels and worlds. Well, there's also no, no mascot characters for you to sure. go on to as a kid. So yes. more thing about like, why wasn't I interested in blazing lasers on the Turbo Graphics? I would have had fun. Because when you look at a picture of blazing lasers, you're like, oh, it's just a ship shooting stuff. It's like, it's not Bonk with a big head. Bonk and When you look animals. in reviews of the time, though, too, there's a lot of people that consider shooters outdated. Oh, they were? Even in the 90s? Yeah, in the 90s. I mean, I remember... They're like, oh, this is like Galaga. And, and this is yeah. this is a PlayStation example, but I remember getting, like, the R-Type, um, the R-type collection, R-Types for the PlayStation, and I remember the reviews being like, it's fun, but uh, do people but really want to play these old, uh, oh, they're, old games? Oh, they're, yeah. they're doing what I... Old which, games. They're doing what I... What I refuse to see in my books: Do not criticize the genre. The genre exists for a certain person that likes it. You can't you can't criticize the genre just because you don't like it doesn't mean others. You know, right? You can like fishing games, for example. I not. sure do. And I'm not really big on first person shooters, but it, it's not because first person shooters are bad. They're just not for yeah. me. People yeah. love first person shooters. I can't think. I can't think of a genre. I would actually say I don't see any value to this at all. We've actually gone over that before on this podcast, oh, I think, and I, I, I can't. I, I literally can't find a genre that slide puzzle. There it is. I don't like slide puzzles. Oh, I think I said. I think <laughs> when we did this topic ages yeah. ago, I said puzzle games can be difficult for me because I, I'm colorblind, color sensitive. Some colors are really tough for me to do. Whatever genre, but whatever genre wears Waldo falls into on the NES. That's the genre I don't like. Yeah, that sucked. <laughs> that genre, I can't picture anyone like. I like. I just thinking about it, I feel my eyes. Argh, they're in pain. I, that's tough, and I can see all the color spectrum. Ian, I can't. I can't imagine. Um, so for me, when is a hidden gem no longer hidden anymore? I'll have a more down to earth. Wow, I, I hope we get to conventions again. Answer. Uh, I like one of the enjoyment. One of the things I enjoy about sitting behind a you know a table at a convention. Hawking wares for seven hours a day at convention is like people come up to you excitedly saying, "Hey, I picked up this game." Yeah, that's always enjoyable, and you know, yeah, that's always fun. I like it when people say, "Hey, oh, I got a good deal." Like, "Oh, what'd you get?" I'm like, it's fun. You commiserate, you know, you have fun, not realizing there'll be a pandemic in a year. Um, you'll you'll notice that 
people will pick up games off the beaten track. You're like, well, okay, that's not one that you probably didn't grow up with or realize that was, right. that was around. You had to have learned about that 25 years later. You must have learned about that. And that's always, to me, how I know it's not hidden anymore. Maybe they, maybe they saw a certain NES guy looking perused. But, like, that's what's always interesting to me. It's like, oh, what games have you actually picked up? Oh, I picked up this game and this game. I'm like, wow, those are uncommon games or ones that most people just not even realize were fun games. Unless you're a crazy person and reviewed a bunch of them. You know, like, you had no idea that, that that'd be one you'd pick up. That's that's in person how I see that uh, going, you know. Even before, the, you know, the, asking about what price did you pay on those on those games. That's how I see it. Yeah. All right. Are we done with that one? All right. Well, I might have said something about Logan Berries, but not anymore. Berries. Moving on. This segment of the CU Podcast is sponsored by Into the AM, where they have premium, high-quality apparel, including nice graphic tees, basic tees like the one I'm holding, hoodies, and even boxer briefs. Ian is wearing the Tree of Life tee. And Pat's wearing the Overseer. Yeah, aliens are coming to attack. Yeah, th- these are nice designs. There's a nice fit to them. They stand out a little bit, right? The fabric is soft. It's very soft. And they have a lot more on their site, a lot of variety of graphic tees. They have the Summer Islands tee I'm looking at right now on their site. It's a beautiful little uh, sort of Hawaiian vibe. There's a wavy tee, sort of like a Southern California theme going on. And I like this digital space tee. It's like an 80s sort of graphic grid on the bottom with like a multicolored sunset in the background. So right now, they're running bundles. You can get three graphic tees for only $60 or three basic tees like this one for only $45. So yeah, it's a great deal right now. And plus, you can get an extra 10% off right now by clicking on the link if you're watching on YouTube below or... You can use code COUNTRY, C-O-N-T-R-I, and you'll get 10% off these very comfortable shirts and gear at IntoTheAM.com. Again, use code COUNTRY, C-O-N-T-R-I, to save 10% off. Go look good and feel good with IntoTheAM. What are we going to do? We're going to do a little question and answer. We're going to do a little, little phone call, little phone call action. Well, they're not phone calls, but yes, they're voice messages that you can leave on anchor.fm slash the CU podcast. Language is malleable. You know what I meant. Uh, especially English. <laughs> all right. The literary podcast now. And you can leave us a, leave us a you know, short little voice message. That's all. Say, hey, you know, here's my question. I'm, I'm from New Jersey. I like pork roll. And you can go. So, um, and, I ha- and I had it ready to go, and now it disappeared on me. Okay. John found pork roll out in the middle of the desert. Pork roll really is just moving cross. Oh, are people discovering it? Uh, my, 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 my campaign has worked. <laughs> I mean, John always knew about it, but he can get it now. And he lives out by fucking Joshua tree. When you say, when you say middle of the desert, you're like walking around aimlessly. And there's a I guy mean, in an that's, oasis. That's, that's kind of it. where like his place is. <laughs> okay. The first one here is from this person. Hey, so since you're doing a new book, you get to review my favorite game, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. Um, it's one of the best reviewed games in the world, uh, currently 98% on Metacritic. And I was just wondering if you guys think it is a better platformer collectathon than, say, Banjo-Kazooie or Super Mario 64, since essentially what you're doing in the game is going to each level and collecting items, and skateboarding is more of the secondary um, goal. Well, thanks. All right, thanks, Marcus. When you said platformer, my, my mind almost shut off like he was talking about Back to the Future. Uh, being a shooter, yeah. my mind went like, "What? what, what is it? It's a collectathon, huh?" I'm not reviewing that for the book. Uh, Dagan is is actually reviewing the first one right now. I'll be looking at it soon. Uh, a Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two is fantastic. I skipped school when it came out. 
Is it good for the N64? <clears throat> I didn't play it on the N64. Oh. Uh, B, uh, that's an interesting way to look at it, but I, it, you're right. It, it, it's skateboarding is a, a focus on it, but really being able to maneuver the levels and um, travel around them efficiently is more important for most of the goals. So, yeah, fun way to think about it. All right. Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. This is Ryan Banks from Toronto. First Woo! listener, long time caller, whatever, whatever. However, that saying goes, okay? <laughs> MC Kids for the NES. Yes. One of the most underrated games of all time. A hidden gem. It's one of the better platformers mm. ever. Like, honestly, mm-hmm. I think it's up there with Super Mario mm-hmm. Bros. and mm-hmm. all those other great yeah. Am I crazy? <laughs> or is this just a, a great game that gets disrespected? <laughs> a McDonald's title. Let me know what you guys think, man. Love the show. Keep up the hard work. Keep it up. Keep it up. Love you guys, man. Love you, Ryan. You started to lose me there a lot. <laughs> Roller coaster <laughs> feelings. Uh, don't know that it's one as... of the best platformers ever. Uh, no, it's fun. It's fun. It's uh, a it's a good game. Um, it's unique. It, it, it is not comparable to Mario Brothers, um, but it 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 oh. it, it, it amuses it. it it amazes me now as much as it did as a kid that there is a licensed McDonald's game that actually is uh, decent. Um, there's supposed to be a good McDonald's game on the Genesis that Treasure made. I've never played it, but it's yeah. supposed to be it's supposed to be pretty good. Um, there's also Mick and Mac Global Gladiators for the Genesis. Well, that's what I'm thinking of. There's that two one, in the Genesis? There's two. Oh. I, I think the one didn't come out here. Oh. Uh, it's oh. like McDonald's Treasure Land or something. Oh. Like that. Is that a, not a gem that you were Releasing Anyways, <laughs> good game. Certainly not Mario Brothers. All right. Next. Hey, guys. Robert Reif from San Diego, California. Oh, here. I hello. have a question for each of you. Um, first, Pat, you're always talking about intermediate fasting, <laughs> but I was wondering what you use. Like, is there a specific uh, website or book, you know, where you get your routine from? Uh, did he mock me with a laugh? I think he might have. You're always talking about intermediate fasting, <laughs> <laughs> I don't appreciate that, Robert. I'm trying to I'm trying to push you in better shape. Well, first of all, it's intermittent fasting, but no, I don't use an app. You don't need an app. It's just like, all right, I'm not going to eat till two thirty in the afternoon today. That's basically what you say. I'll eat from two thirty to like nine at night, and that's it. That's all you do. Okay. I almost murdered that man, Ian. Yeah, I know. Your book, you know, where you get your routine from. I was just curious into looking into it, and Ian. What do you recommend at the fish pit? I live pretty close to it, and uh, I've only eaten there once. So I... All right. This wait, person wait, wait, wait. actually came in earlier this week and oh. uh, asked me uh, because they didn't think we were going to get to it. Uh, but I'll tell you again what I tell everyone. Uh, three ways to do this. Oh, Jesus. If you've, oh. It's very quick, Pat. You'll live. Three ways to do this. Uh, you go and you get salmon tacos and a uh, house poke bowl, the fish pit style poke bowl, or you show up on the weekend, you pay him the $35, and you let him do the chef's choice thing and just bring okay. you course after course. Oh, wow. It's just like stuff your face. All right. Next. Gentlemen, you good? This is Matt from New York. My question is, if you could demake any modern game into a 16 to 32-bit format, which would you choose? 32. Me, personally, I'd love to see The Witcher 3 remade into an action RPG like Legend of Zelda or its superior counterpart, Crusader of Senti. Love the podcast. You guys stay safe. Thanks. I actually have an answer to this. Uh, Monster Hunter. Oh. Uh, I saw uh, someone posted on Twitter some really, really great... Um, Secret of Mana, Legend of Mana style sprite work of the some of the new big monsters in the game, and it looked great. And I could see, 
I could see that being fun in a way. There's a way to do it. Hey, here's my impression of Ian. I I I I I I I I I I I I I I <laughs> unfunny tangent unfunny tangent sorry 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 pat mouth all right it goes on from there all right richard i have your full last name here you idiot um you really love us enough to listen to us enough to try to <laughs> know the idiosyncrasies of our speech patterns but then also sign up to anchor with your real name and then also you know Leave us a nice message. You love us. We make your we make your life warmer. Really, I think. Uh, you are unloved, and oh. you will die alone. Oh, okay. I was trying to be nicer than Ian. He he, he went bad cap. I went I went semi good cop there. <laughs> Didn't work out for you. Best of luck, Richard L. Best of luck to you. All right, next. Hi, Pat and Ian. I'm Nick from Long Island, New York, and I'm a big fan of the both of you. Huh? My question is. What are your plans for what happens to your collection if you died unexpectedly? Knock on wood, of course. If you do have plans, are they simple or detailed? And do you have faith that those plans would be honored? Thank would they be honored? That's fine. We talked about this before about, like, I have a list of, like, the most expensive games I have. Would they be honored? I don't know. I guess my sister would want the money, you know, from the expensive games. It's like, yeah. you don't want to just toss this stuff out. I don't have, like, plans about, like, donating stuff right now because, like, who would take it? That's always the thing about, like, well, when you die, a, a museum will take it. No, they won't. There's no museum that would take your stuff. There's, like, maybe one or two museums that might in the U.S. or maybe three, but, like, most of that shit, most of the shit they don't want, you know, so... Would they be on? Would they honor it? I don't know. We've discussed this a billion times, so I'm just going to say that he has a really good voice. It would be great for podcasts. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Third mic, Pat. Uh, Pat replacement. When Pat, <laughs> when Pat has a nervous breakdown and travels the wor- a world, gives away all his worldly possessions, and yeah. becomes a becomes a, a monk. Not that I thought about that before. Val poverty and all that. What? Hi, this is Nick from California. Uh, this question is for Ian. I was wondering, um, Ian, as a vinyl collector, are you aware of the VGM vinyl scene? Um, and do you collect VGM vinyl? Uh, yeah, I'm aware That's of it. Um, I, I, I dip into it here and there. When Data Discs first started doing their uh, releases, uh, they started with, I think it was Streets of Rage Volume 1 was the first one they did. Uh, I was geared up to just go in on like everything they released. Um but it's expensive. They're nice releases, but they're expensive. Um, and everyone started putting out VGM vinyl. Uh, so I've I've dialed back on it. The reason being, while I like video game music a lot, it's not something that I'm throwing on my turntable a lot to listen to. Sure, it's it's hard to listen to a whole soundtrack of a. There are ones that are great, but it's but... just it's it's not what I. It's not what I think of. You're not you're not gaining anything necessarily by throwing it on vinyl. You know, it, 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 but there's a lot of sets that look nice. Mondo's you're, done a lot of good ones. Data Discs has done a lot of good ones. There's a you're lot of right sh- about that. It's, it's digital to begin with. Now right. you're putting on vinyl. Yeah. There's not really a point. There's a lot of a lot of vinyl releases these days come from digital masters, which ruins the point. But it, whatever. Um, but I do like it. I just I I, I find myself going to it. Le- I, I put I put it on the turntable less than I put my other records on. Same thing with. Um, like soundtracks, I don't buy a lot of movie soundtracks uh, because I just don't listen to them as often. There are some that I do, but not a ton. Um, but yeah, I like I just listened to the Katamari soundtrack yesterday. That's a great soundtrack. Oh. There are some that are worth owning. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is a question from uh, Jim. 
I was just wondering, uh, Pat, would you ever do an Avengers-style crossover YouTube thing with uh, James, Rolf, uh, Markiplier? Uh, Markiplier? I don't know who else, Peanut Butter Gamer or something like that. Okay, just wondering. Uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is serious or not. Or it's like he just like oh, I'll just think of names and I, forgot the names. Like Markiplier has nothing to do with James or or Austin. Yeah, that was that was my thing. Like Austin, James, and me all know each other. Uh, I was gonna say that Markiplier, would make some more sense. Markiplier. Uh, yeah, I I think we're past the age of the huge Avengers crossover. The, the nostalgia critic disastrous movies yeah. sort of sort of put the nail in that cloth when you hear about how bad it was behind the scenes and I can't believe people ever put up with that they, they would go film that shit for over a week and a half and get nothing in return and then like it sounds like it was it, it, was, just, it was a horror show it was, it was amateurish yeah. not, not, not shitting on you know the people that made that but it just sounds like that was the worst time of anyone's life yeah it sounds, it sounds awful like. they did four of those fucking things and the last one was three hours long they released I think it was like three or th- over three hours long. Sorry. Uh, no, I would be a part of a like production that was like well-written, you know, and thought out and well-produced profession. I would do that. Absolutely, I would do that. But I think we're sort of almost not, – not that it's passe to do the scripted stuff as much, but there's not many YouTubers still doing the scripted stuff. James is still doing it. He just put out A Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, little uh, one, of the, one of the best videos he ever did, to be honest, uh, recently. Very artistic for like, a video game thing, but it's, it's hard to do that. What was, doing, the, what was it a review for? For like the like Vegas Stakes and Caesar's Palace <clears throat> stuff. I you know stuff that I'd done like you know way back in the day. He he did with like a really cool like vibe of Fear and Loathing like the, yeah the plot yeah that'd be cool. But yeah, I was gonna say I think that's kind of a, a, it's passe. That was a trend thing. It's passe. Yeah, that was also when like Blip was like we need we get money off of Blip, so you know I don't know you had more freedom to do that shit. Uh, all right, next. Hello, my name is Edgar. I'm a fan from Los Angeles. A few weeks ago, I repaired a Paper Mario cartridge using parts from a cheap Japanese Pokemon Stadium because I really want to play it. My question is, what have less value, a non-functional cartridge or a repair one with cannibalized parts? Love the show. Please keep the good work. Good question, Edgar. We never really addressed this before. We almost did. So his question was, is a non-functional cartridge worth more than one with cannibalized parts? That's very interesting. It sounds like he cannibalized a, a Pokemon board, Pokemon Steam board for for that game for Paper Mario. Uh, it's very interesting. I'd be I interested. I, I think it uh, comes down to what did you use? Um, did you just take? You know, if it's one of those things where I, I've said it, when it comes to cosmetics, for instance, if the back panel is cracked, replace it with another back panel. They're the same. There's nothing unique or special about it. Oh yeah, sure. Who cares? Um, is it a different chip inside? Did you burn the ROM? Sure. I don't know. I honestly don't have an answer to that question. I, 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 is, it, is it now like a car or an arcade machine? Because an arcade machine, it's like, well, it's, it's different parts swapped out after market stuff. Maybe the different board. Like, I don't. That's a good question. I don't know. What percentage of it has to be the original? Is it like that that freaking uh, philosophical thing about the boat? Replacing ship. The, um, replacing all the planks of wood until it's no longer it's a different ship. Entirely. So I mean, if if you're replacing it with an identical part from that just happens to be from a different cartridge, um, I, I mean, I, I don't think there's really any any problem there. If you started replacing it with after, like if you bought a blank ROM, I, and I don't know exactly how this works, but if you bought a blank ROM chip and reflashed the ROM to it and put it in the cartridge, well, or even put a flashboard in there somehow. Yeah, it could be like, you know, like at that point, Ali, it gets it gets weird. Buy a cheap AliExpress board and put it in your commercial 
cartridge. Like I'm yeah, sure you can do it gets, that. It gets stranger it gets at that point. I, don't, I really don't know, but it's a fun it's a fun thing to think about. This is cartridge. Hey guys, yeah. I had a question about 3DS Street Pass. Well, what is the distance that Street Pass works at? Like how far away? Because one night years ago, I woke up and I had a new Street Pass on my 3DS in my house, and it wasn't like near a window. <laughs> always creep me out so anyway that's what i was wondering <laughs> I, I, the street pass is coming from inside your house repeat the street pass is coming from inside your wow that would creep me out that would creep me out like too. a serial killer running around um, with this 3ds outside your window especially because it, it's a decent distance but it's not like a shitload i think it's something like 20 to is it like wi-fi I think it's distance 20 to 40 or less? feet like the wi-fi kind of uh, yeah i think it, i think it's like a 20 to 40 foot distance before it dies out that's that is creepy though unless you had a next door neighbor that was walking around and trying to peek through your window it had it on i don't know yeah weird that's creepy the 3ds killer will be on <laughs> netflix documentary that's the calling card hello pat and ian uh this is patrick from staten island staten island i huh? recently added complete inbox copies of vegas dream and lee trevino's fighting golf for nes to my collection whoa i'm very happy with those because they carry a sentimental value for me uh, my question is, do you have any games in your collection that may not be the most popular, valuable, rare, or even generally considered good for that matter, but you still hold them up as uh, cornerstones of your collection because they have meaning to you? Thank you, guys. Well, Ian says it every time he did the podcast and even before Tom Sawyer. <laughs> no, no. Well, Tom Sawyer is fun, but no, I, he's talking about ones that have a sentimental attachment. I oh, absolutely have a... a game for that, and that's Battletoads. I fucking hate Battletoads. I can't oh, stand that but game. But you say cornerstone of your collection. collection. Yeah, it's a cornerstone of my collection. Oh, you have that in your collection, Battletoads? Yeah, I never got rid of it because oh. my grandmother gave it to me. It was, a, okay. it, was a, it was a it was a Christmas gift for my grandmother one year. I got along with my grandma famously. Love her to death. Miss her dearly. Um, no, that game will never go anywhere. And it's, it's funny because... If, had that copy of Battletoads come from anyone else, I would have gotten rid of that game fucking years and years ago. Because I can't stand it. But it came from her. It was yeah, a nice thought. Got the box still and everything? No, it's just a loose cartridge at this point. But you yeah, know, I love it. You know what? Uh, you know what game my grandma got me? Hmm. Nothing. Oh, neither of them did. What a jerk! Come on, grandma. What jerk? You can buy me the Destro figure at the flea market for five bucks. <laughs> or it was, it was a dollar. It was a dollar. Five bucks. It was a dollar in nineteen eighty five. Come on, Grandma. Be nicer to me. Well, she's gone. She died in 2013. Uh, she died two years after my grandpa. Yeah. Come on, Grandma. You're killing me. So, oh, okay. Sentimental value. Um, I love that. I come on. I, I don't beat. I don't think I, I can beat that Jaws prison flea market story. I no. don't even beat that. I'm always no. gonna have, uh, love Jaws because of that. Yep. Not the greatest game, but you know that's. I don't have the original one though. I don't have any of the original games I have, but that one's up there. Uh, Cabal is kind of sentimental because my mom almost got arrested during that experience. So let me tell you that one real quick. I don't, I don't think I ever told. I before. think you have, but I'm trying to remember been, it. So. Okay. so you know the Reading outlets. Yeah, you, Reading, Pennsylvania. You even yeah. heard of those? You go there. We used to go like a week before school because you get you get your slacks and your socks and your underwear. You know, like in big fucking. Uh, giant bins of them thrown in. I don't know what, how they got all this stuff. Some were in, per, in uh, imperfections, some were not. But there was a toy store they had. There was two toy stores they had in Reading, Pennsylvania. Um, and then there was one that I went to one of the last years we went there, because we're talking about uh, Cabal. So that was like 90, 91 that came out. Okay. Something like that. So um, we go in there 
and um and my parents are usually nice because hey we'll put up for like fucking 11 hours of shopping yeah you know you we left the house any like, trip to a, a outlet you mall left the not, house at like quick you left the house at six it was like an hour and a half to get the reading get there at 7 30 you know five hours of shopping lunch five hours of shopping go home we have sandwiches at home one of those sort of deals right but they get me a toy every every time uh there i, I usually get a toy like i got one time i got like the swamp um G.I. Joe, the, the Swamp Dreadnought uh, Glow-in-the-Dark copter I got one time. So one time I go there, though, um, it might have been this time I got that, but there was a handheld motocross uh, Tomy game. Remember the mechanical yeah. ones? Um, I have that one, literally at home right now. Yeah, <laughs> where you go back and forth. It's from late 90s, mm-hmm. or actually late 80s, early late 90s. Late 80s, yeah. And so I saw that in the shelf, and I'm dumb. I was like nine. I mean, it was like nine, and I thought it was, I thought it was like an LCD game. I didn't know it was mechanical looking at the cover. I think it was a little false advertising on the box because it looked like it was like glowing a little bit. So I get it, and I open it up, and I'm like playing with it in the store. And my mom's there, and I'm like, oh, I don't like this game. Like I was so – I thought it was like an LCD because <laughs> I had the Tiger games. Sure. I was like, oh, I don't like this. And so my mom was like, oh, can we, re- can we return this? Mm-hmm. And then they said no. They said all sales are final uh, here. And then my mom freaked out. Not only in the store, she, <laughs> oh. went, she went outside the store. Oh, I think this was legal, but they almost called the cops on her. She was out outside the store, basically telling people like, "I can't believe this. Don't do business with these people." Meanwhile, my father's still in my. When my father's a reasonable one, you're in trouble. First of all, <laughs> my father's still inside, being like, "Okay, can we work this out?" And they finally agreed to do an exchange. Sure, uh, for with the value of that, maybe plus cash or something, because that game was probably fifteen bucks. Or something, but they had some NES games at this outlet somehow, and they weren't that much money. They weren't like fifty dollars before; they were like maybe twenty-five bucks. They, they, they had all the Milton Bradley ones, which were cheaper. Yeah, I guess. They, they always were. You know, like, you know, it was always cheaper. For, like Captain Scott was always a budget. I Captain remember Sky I got, I got Time my, Lord was always. I, cheap. I got my buddy yes. Time Lord for his birthday when cheap. I was younger because it was a twenty-dollar game. So I'm guessing Cabal was twenty bucks. So um, I never forget this. While we're looking for something to exchange, we figure out they had NES games. Oh, there's a $20 one. The woman on the phone, it was two women that worked there. Poor women had put up with my mom. One said, one called the police and said, yes, we have this woman outside telling people not to come into the store. (laughs) And my father looked like, oh boy, we got to get out of there. So my father got the cabal, did the exchange, and we were out the door. So cabal, I always have a story with cabal uh, because of that. It's a fine game. It's a good good port. But like, my mom almost got arrested uh, for me to get that game. So there you go. That was that was a good round of questions there. Thanks so much. My mom might remember that story. My mom, my mom doesn't listen to the podcast. I don't think. Actually, she might. I don't know. Uh, on her little iPad. But uh, thanks for the questions. Yeah, it was a good it was, episode. It's a fine episode. You, you like that episode, Ian? It's great. Shit, you're in shit removed with the Logan Berries. Yeah, with my Logan Berries. Elderberries. That's the one that boosts your immune system. Uh, Elderberries. Yes. Elderberries. I gotta get more of those. I took those like a year ago. I like the. I used to. I used to pop them before I went to a convention to make sure. Uh, you know, just eating a whole yes. bunch of elderberries. Yes, because you know you get, and now with that, with with stuff going on, God. When I think about it, I think there'll be people that might never go back to not wearing a mask, and because you you avoid getting flus and colds probably by poor people wearing masks. Uh, I will. You know? I, I I'm I'm as soon as I get my second dose, which is tomorrow actually. Mine's Friday. Um, let it kick in. Uh, I I am thrilled excited about san diego being like yeah you don't need to wear the masks outside anymore i'm excited for that sure but um indoors at i I can tell you this especially during the winter uh here when i'm taking the train and stuff to and from work i'm wearing a mask 
And you you can say whatever the fuck you want, um, but uh, frankly, I, my anecdotal evidence: I have not been sick all fucking year, and I'm usually sick with some with. I usually get a really good cold, and then usually the flu about once a year. And I get at least a cold or a flu. One yeah, yeah. And I got nothing. Well, this year, I'll just say this: if you really want to do it, you might as well get an N95 mask, because then that's protecting you uh, more so than just a cloth one. But, but if everyone's wearing the cloth still, then yes, you're not, you know. There's less spread. But no, I think some people won't go back to it. In Asia, for years and years, even before like SARS and stuff, I think people were wearing the masks, you know, and, and all that. Just, yes. to make, just to make sure that, hey, it's, well, I'm not going to get sick. Years before this became a thing, I yeah. noticed people on the trolley wearing masks, and it, it was usually um, Asian folks who probably came over, sure. and they are used to that, because that's a thing that people actually do. Sure. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I'll, uh, I might go to convention this summer, and if I do that, I'm not going to be, you know, up on people's grill. Even if I'm vaccinated, I won't be shaking hands. Maybe I'll do the fist bump. But, you know, I was always careful with the antibacterial, though. Very careful with that, because I, I have gotten con flu a couple of times. The one time from MAGFest, where the one time I was, was flying first class on the way back, because I had points, and then I, had, like, I, I, I don't remember the trip. It was like a fever dream. I should have been in the hospital. That's how bad it was. Yeah. I don't know how I got home, Ian. That's how bad it was. My fear was probably like 103. I remember trying to get to a tax cab and into my fucking condo, and it was like, like it was like it was like a mission to do that, you know. Anyway, so All right, is that it for the podcast? That's it. I just uh, ordered my my lift home because it's been taking like 15, 20 minutes. And that to was get quicker. One. Uh, three minutes. So, All right. Yeah, packing up. I'm out. All right, we're, go- we're good. <laughs> Talk to you soon, guys. Bye bye.